Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. Hello, friends. Happy day to you. Thank you for following along all the things that the Dinner Party Project is doing and up to. And this year has already been flying by at record speeds, which is insane. But I wanted to keep you posted on a series that we have coming up called Orlando Matters, the Dinner Party Project dinner series. Um, super excited about it. We got some feedback from like our five-year party. And what we found was that people wanted more themed dinners around industries and topics. So... That is what we are doing. We are doing a five-month series, which started in January. We started off with um, what's new and fun in Orlando at the balcony, which was so much fun. And then we also did a dog lover's dinner party at the Wellborn, which was so gorgeous. Um, And so many cute pups joined us. I wanted to let you know about dinners that are coming up. We do have one ones in February. We are doing a dinner party for interior designers, something that is very um, of interest to me on February 24th at the Heavy. And we will be having delicious food by Mockingbird Orlando. So if you are an interior designer, anything around that area, or just heavily your own home interior designer, um, we would love to have you join us around the dinner table. For our second dinner, we are doing... um, uh, affordable housing solutions on February 26th at East End Market, which we would also very much love for you to be a part of. We're also excited for this series to partner with Tito's Vodka. They have generously given us the capacity to be able to donate to, um, for each month, we get uh, $500 per month to donate to a fund, a local fund. <clears throat> And we are choosing for January, we got to donate to the Pet Alliance. And for February, we're choosing to donate to the Coalition for the Homeless, which has to do with immediate housing, but kind of along the same lines. So we're very grateful for that. And in March, we will be doing dinners around health and wellness also at Easton Market, which we're very excited about. And the second dinner party will be around food deserts and food disparity within Orlando. So we'd love for you to join us for that one. Uh, In April, we will be doing a dinner for the LGBTQ community, which should be very colorful and a lot of fun. And then uh, the second dinner for that month will be around inclusion. How do we um, learn better ways to love our our community and language and questions that people might have? So we would love to have you join us for those. And then in May, we would love your input. So we are doing two dinner parties in May and we're taking a poll as to what industry and what topic that you would like to talk about. So DM us, um, email us, message us. You can vote. Uh, We'll be voting on social media and other places for you to let us know what you would like to see gathered around the dinner table. So thanks once again to Tito's for supporting us in this uh, dinner series and all the people that are kind of collaborating to make this happen, but we would love for you to participate. So we hope to see you around the dinner table soon. Hello. 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 Ah, well, here we are. Um, thank you for listening in once again. 
And today we are going to dive into the cocktail because it's my favorite. And anytime that I can have it, it's, you know, a real treat to me. So I get to share it with you. Hopefully you will follow along. Um, it is in what we'd like to call the winter months here in central Florida, which is a couple of days of winter. And then it's just so multiple personality disorders, but I don't mind because I don't love the cold. So, but when it is cooler, I definitely love brown spirits more. This is whiskey sour, Avi, my fave. And it is made with, um, this bourbon called uh, contradiction, which is from a brand called Smooth Ambler, and it's kind of a blend of straight bourbon whiskeys, and it's really good. But you add add to that, you take a couple of blackberries. Um, if you're making two cocktails, it's probably like five or six, and then you just muddle those up really well until they're nice and pulpy, and then um, add about an ounce and a half of bourbon. We use the smooth ambler. And then from there, about an ounce. So it depends on how tart you want it, right? So this time I added an ounce of lime juice. Usually I would add an, like one to two ounces. But um, yes, anyway, so this time I just added an ounce of lime juice and then an egg white, of course, um, a a real light splash of simple syrup. So there's really not a whole lot in there. It's not even probably a quarter of an ounce. It was very, very small amount. Um, and then some bitters. And then you just shake that up real well. And you serve it in a coop. And voila, you've got a blackberry lime whiskey sour, which is one of my all-time faves. And I got to share it with an all-time fave friend of mine who is Ben Collins. And a, uh, yeah, he co-owns a creative agency in town called the laughing samurai and has a lot of really great people that work there, which has always amazed me to keep amazing talent for so long. Um, so being able to track with laughing samurai and with Ben over the, all the years and seeing how he has grown that team and grown the level of excellence that they produce, um, has been amazing and they throw fun parties, which they graciously invite me into and I can attend sometimes. So I always love being around those folks. Um, but great conversation, um, fellow eight, which you'll obviously hear in a minute. And, yeah, I'm so fascinated by story and how we get to the places and the things that get us there and just the ways that we are, I think, uniquely um, created and shaped and all the different stories that people have in their life. So Ben's is very interesting nonetheless. So I hope you will um, listen in and enjoy and let us know what you think. Hey, Ben. Hey. Welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Cheers. 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 Ta da! For real. Mmm. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Ah, oh, that's delicious. Well, I think it's delicious. Yeah. Hopefully, you think it's delicious as well. It's a little tart. It's a little tart. Okay. Well, I was trying to even make it like not so sweet, and I like things sweeter. So. But it's delicious tart. It's delicious tart. Okay. Great. So, this one is a mix of one of my 
regular favorite cocktails, which is whiskey sour. So we're using some um, contradiction whiskey with some muddled blackberries, lime juice. So already we're tart right mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A very small amount of simple syrup because you said you kind of like don't like things on the sweeter side. So it's really not that sweet um, at all. And egg white and some bitters shaken up. And this is what you get. I mean, it's beautiful. Okay, great. It's one of my favorite drinks to drink year round. You know, this winter that we have. Um, the the two day winter. The two day winter that we have. It was really cold. I don't mind it because I don't love cold. So like today's not the bad. But no, it's not. when it gets in like the 30s and the 40s, I become a, a huge baby and don't want to leave my bed. Everybody does. Yeah. So it's like the sweaters and the coats and the hats all layered on together. But Orlando, pretty great. So starting us off, obviously my favorite subject is cocktails. What would be a go-to cocktail for you? either to make at home or to go out when you go out for a drink? Um, I don't really make cocktails at home anymore. Um, I went through a period like, um, like five years ago where I was making, uh, old fashions like every day. Mm. Um, but when I got pretty intense, it it got pretty intense. Right. Um, started was like, Oh, I'm just going to have one every day. Every day when I get home, okay, and then it got to turns to, into like three, turns into three or and five, three every day. So, um, three every day, is yeah, a yeah, I had lot. to stop that. Um, so, uh, now when I go out, I uh, I get like a Negroni or something, okay, something funky like that. So, you do like things that are definitely on the more bitter side, yeah, stronger. Like, like, what, what is the Campari Excuse flavor? Me. Is it like a... Is that like a niece or something? Uh, it's it like, like Beatles a, or something I, funky like that. Yeah, gross. But like, what, what is the name for that flavor? Is it like pungent or no? I don't know. I mean, it's Mysterious. definitely a very, very strong flavor. It's intense. Yeah, it's very intense. I I um, I usually, yeah, go on the more fruity side than on the more... I have Campari because I know that people like it and they drink it. Yeah. And um, it's an easy summer drink as well. Yeah. But it has to be, for me, layered with so many other things mm. to be, like, drinkable for me. What's the other one? Aperol? Like, I don't really like Aperol. Aperol spritz. Yeah, no. not me. Not for mm. me. mm Okay. So, if you were to go around town in Central Florida area that we live in, where would be, like, top three spots around town that you would frequent? for a drink babes um, let's say uh lil indies fair enough yeah great um, cocktails yeah um and then i haven't uh i haven't spent a lot of time there but uh the guest house i guess is guest kind house. of like the, the go-to sure right it yeah. is Absolutely go to. Yeah. Have you been to the sunroom yet? I haven't. Okay. Yeah. It's very beautiful. And they have an extensive cocktail bar or cocktail menu. So if it gets too nutty at the guest house, you just go for a little quiet escape. Does but doesn't it get nutty there too or in the sunroom? Yeah. It's it's definitely got a different vibe. Really? Yes. It's like you can have more of a conversation. 
It's maybe a little bit quieter. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, house great. I really like Earl's, the the restaurant. I feel like they have Avalonia. Yeah. 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 It's have, beautiful, beautiful place. It's a nice place to go to. It's a nice place to go to. Yeah. And they have a great cocktail menu. And they have a great cocktail menu. Okay. And they have a really good like specials on Friday happy hour type of. How thing. in the world did you land at Earl's? I mean, that's such a kind of a, a random. Uh, well, the curators that spot, I, I worked with um, for the gallery, uh, Katie and Alia, they worked on the art there. So, and uh, when they when they opened, we went there to check out the pieces that they selected and all of that. And, okay. And it's just so beautiful. It's just, I don't it go is, there very often. But right. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. It's very beautiful in there. I think they did a good, a good job. I'm sure you were around when... Like Blue Martini was at the what I think yeah. Blue Martini was in that space. Yeah, I went there one time. I went there one time. My friend was playing in a band, and I was like, "What alternate universe have I stepped into?" Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let me in because they wouldn't let you in my shoes. But I looked at the um, I looked at the doorman, and I was like, "Do you know what kind of shoes these are?" He's like, "No." I said, "These are Macbeths," and then <laughs> he let me in. So. It worked out. Working the system. Yeah. All right. Great. Is that your MO, kind of working the system? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Extreme Collins. Just walk right in like you own the place. Pushing it to the max. Pushing it to the extreme. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So you'd go for a pretty intense drink at some local favorites around town. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes a home bartender. Sometimes. Sometimes not. You have to, like, monitor the yeah, I don't, the quantity. Yeah, I don't like uh now i'll just drink like straight whiskey i won't make it into a cocktail I'll just right. put it on ice and you just go for the hard stuff yeah okay. a couple of bottles of scotch um All right. do you have a favorite no no well i mean like i like uh blanton's bourbon okay that's that's pretty good okay uh elmer t you can't get that anymore i've never yeah. even heard of this that guy died Elmer, Elmer T. Um, he died or the brand died? Both. He died. I think the brand died. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm pretty sure he's the guy that's behind most of the, the famous brands. Um, brands. Yeah. Huh. But I should be more. I am not an expert on that. Right. Yeah. I should be more of an expert. I think like bourbon is definitely my favorite spirit, but. So like. I don't. After I, I went through, after I went through the, um, the bourbon phase, I, you know, I started to get into mezcal because, you know, that's, so I started buying all these bottles of mezcal to, to try them and okay. like all the bourbon's gone because bourbon's delicious and like I drank it all, but I still have all the mezcal because it's just, it was nice, but. I feel like it, for me, it's not as easy to drink. It's not. But you really got to like put it in something that wraps up the flavor or where it like peeks through. But it's, I mean, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's really intense. Yeah, it's really and, intense. And uh, I found that it, I just got extremely drunk off of it after like it a couple of up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually like not really that fun. No, it's not fun at all. No. Gosh, tequila. Whew. Mezcal. Pretty intense. Um... So I was trying to think initially, I've known you for many years, but I'm thinking of the initial time that we met for the first time back a lot of years ago, but initially was through dinner party project. You think? Yeah. 
Because um, you were, you you were doing dinners the... at the gallery. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you think that was the first time that we met? <sighs> My memories. Your not. memories, okay. Yeah. Because I had been to that gallery many a times before you, you asked to host dinners there. I mean, I guess I, I mean, I probably knew who you were, were at that point, but maybe that was, maybe I had not had. You were like, probably introduced through Kara. Through Kara. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. And Kara is your, she what's runs, her role? Her, she runs Laughing Samurai. She does. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. her official role. Superhero. Runner of all things. Yeah. Laughing Samurai. The boss. And an awesome mom. A super awesome mom. A cute, cute kid. Super cute. Super cute. Gosh. Just a little shout out to Kara. If yeah. you're listening. When you're listening. That's awesome. So glad to have known you for a lot of years. Done a lot of things. You moved a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Had some. Journey. Yeah, we used to be neighbors too. Journeys. There we was used that. to be neighbors. Yes. Yeah. We lived in Orwin Manor around yeah. the corner when I would go running. Sometimes I would see you yeah. and see your house. And then other friends were in the neighborhood yeah. as well. Yeah. That's such a great neighborhood. And it was such a great house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting emotional thinking about it because that house is no longer. And there's now two houses that are building. I haven't been through there. They, they, oh, you have done building them? Every or? once in a while, I will like just peek through that little, um, that little nook. Mm-hmm. And last time I was over there, was probably a couple months. But on that lot, there are two houses now that look about 75% of the way done. Mm-hmm. About ready. So I got kicked out of there December of 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Where did all that time go? Uh, it feels like last year. No. It's 2020 now. I don't I, know if you heard. I know. I've been writing it. It's bonkers. All the time. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I had to move out in January of 2018, which coincidentally turned out to be the worst year of my life. Kind of all the way through. Started out pretty shitty. Ended super shitty. But you survive. You, but that was like the start of a long list of tragedies in my life. What was the best thing that happened to you in the worst year of your life? <sighs> well, the worst year of my life was 2018. Right. Yeah. So, what was the best thing? The that best happened thing that year? was I was able to travel during the summer of that year. I had to. And so I got to see a lot of people that I hadn't seen for a long time. So being yeah. able to connect with them and like yeah. have that emotional support from them yeah. um, was something that I will never like be able to repay because mm. like it was really nice to see a lot of those people and feel safe in some places. It kind of got you through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still not through, but still surviving. So Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of surviving, um, our next topic is story. Mm. All the things that shape us into the person that we are now in 2020, the distant future. We have arrived. So obviously there's so many things um, as we grow up and as we um, 
look at life through the lens of our family of origin and how we were placed into the world, which we don't have a choice. The DNA that we were given, which we don't have a choice. We are just kind of plopped in the universe. And then we're just trying to all figure it out as we go along. But I would love to know, Ben Collins, like what was it like growing up in your family? What were the family dynamics? Did you have siblings? Did you have mom and dad at home? Like what was kind of your like formative years very early on. So I, I don't tell this story very often, so this is going to be. All right, here we go. It's going to be um, fragmented. So um, my parents moved here when I was three. Um, my dad was working on Epcot. Oh, um, And okay. he's a, um, like an AV engineer. So. A what? Audiovisual engineer. Oh, you like said AV? AV. I thought you said AE. No. I was like, that doesn't, I don't know what that is. Yes, AV. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Um, and they came, they're from Washington State and they moved to Utah and then they ended up in Los Angeles. Um, and I guess where they lived, and that's where I was born, was in, Los Angeles? in Burbank. Burbank, um, California. Burbank, California. Got it. So I guess where they lived was was pretty horrible. And then where they put them up when they got here was in downtown Windermere. So they were like, oh, we're we're not going back there um, to, to California. To, to California. Okay. So that's how. Um, I mean, that would have been in the 70s. It was in the 80s. It was in the 80s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, try to keep some mystery around my actual <laughs> age, though. So okay. it was sometime Fine. in the last century. Okay. Well, obviously, but yeah. all right. So did you grow up in Windermere? Yeah. Okay. My parents, um, well, they rented a house for a bit. And then I guess when I was in like fourth grade, they purchased a house that was a block away. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So I went to... Um, Windermere Elementary and then Lakeview Middle and Winter Garden and West Orange High School. And, um, that's in Ocoee? West Orange? Yeah, West Orange is technically in Winter Garden, I okay. think. Okay. Um, it may be different now. I mean, like it might be a completely different building. Sure. Because uh, <clears throat> it's a new century. Yeah. Here we are. From, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Do you have any so, siblings? Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, I have a brother who is younger and I have a sister who is younger than him. So I have two siblings. Okay. Yeah. And my brother lives here uh, and my sister lives in Seattle. All right. Yeah. Cool. Did you guys have like good family, like sibling rivalry relationship? Do you have yeah. like how... Did that feel? You're the oldest. You have two younger siblings. Yeah, I I was, I was a tough child. A tough child. Yeah. So they they were pretty much done with me by the time I was I was uh, ready to be an adult and get and get out. So, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have an okay relationship with my sister, but I don't really have a relationship with my brother at all, which is right completely different from you because you have like a great relationship with your family so mostly mostly uh, <laughs> i guess everybody has has yeah. their things mm -hmm. yeah. 
yeah, for the most part, family is definitely very close and important. Yeah. But I mean, family dynamics sometimes are very hard. They're very hard, yeah. especially when people have expectations of you and they're like, you should be this way and you should act that way. Uh -huh. And I think, I think you should be this. And being the oldest is, is tough too. You're blazing the trail. Blazing the trail. How was that? I blazed it with a flamethrower, basically. With... Yeah. And bombs. And, and bombs. Uh, yeah. How did that go down with your parents? Uh, I think they still love me. Maybe. Okay. I mean, it was it was tough for them too. So, but um, you know, I think we all we all grew from the Ben experience. Okay. Um, my my dad was traveling a lot, so we had this like super cool um, childhood where we got to go to Europe and. Like he worked on the Olympics a couple of times. So we got to go to the Olympics and like, it was awesome. But what? then like the family dynamic was, was like still just, tough. Yeah. Was it so. you trying to be independent, like from your parents or just like, I don't agree with some of the ways that they're living their life. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I probably need some more therapy around that. So <laughs> that's why we're here, Ben. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Um, did you like see that your parents wanted to be invested in your life or were they kind of just like distant and there and like, just like laissez faire? I don't know. I don't really remember. You remember? I feel, I feel like, um, I think that generation's version of parenting mm. was a little, little different than it was more about teaching people rules and like making sure that you don't do things wrong. And yeah, it was different. So. And a young Ben already a challenger was like rules don't work. Oh, for that's me. not gonna, yeah, yeah that's not gonna happen. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> what was uh Ben like in like middle school? Um I think my there's like a, a like a yearbook kind of thing from middle school and I was most likely to become a rock star or something like that. So that I mean to summarize I'm obviously not a rock star, but was that, that's how I was. Was in that school. something of interest? Like, obviously, probably music was a huge passion, but I mean, was that literally something, or were just the demeanor that you like wore during middle school was? Yeah, I mean, and you know, I'm bald now, but I had hair at one point, so I had long hair, and I was into metal and death metal, and like, I was just a really extreme dude in a different way then than right. I am now, but. Was it like, I have so much rage and I haven't, I, this is how the only way I can figure out how to release that or, or figure myself. I mean, at middle school is so tough. Like your, it's tough. your brain is like freaking out. Your body hormonally is just doing like wacky stuff. Yeah. I have a son who is like about to go into middle school. He's in fifth grade. <clears throat> oh my gosh. And, um. I'm seeing kind of like how his emotions are changing and I like I'm understanding myself at that age a little bit 
more through my yeah. experience of being a parent, uh-huh. which, you know, I don't know how many people um, get that from being a parent, but it's mm-hmm. it's been cool to be like, oh, this is what that looks like from the other side. And you probably uh, maybe a little more compassion for your own parents. Oh, totally. Yeah. Being in the flip side of yeah. that equation. Yeah, definitely. I know that I do. I was a horrible teenager. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Eight. Must be like an Enneagram 8 thing, right? Maybe. I mean, it was the firstborn, and then uh, I was a, a... Could be a firstborn thing. Firstborn, right? I think, uh, is is one of the traits, because you are blazing your own trail, right? Mm-hmm. Testing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then I was a girl, and so my, you know, my parents were more so protective about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I just remember middle... Well, one, seventh grade... Besides 2018, seventh grade was like the worst year of my life, bar none. Just, you're just dealing with so many things and trying to figure out who you are. Mm. And then where do I put all these emotions and then how do I fit in my family? Mm. All those things. You're really kind of picking what your identity is in, in the world, or at mm. least you're the first identity when you're breaking away from your childhood around right sixth seventh grade yeah yeah did you have like a lot of friends were you was that like a thing or were you a loner or just like friendly or were pretty like reserved as like the the punk rocker that you were uh i've had a lot of friends but they weren't like close friendships like we just all hung out together all the time okay um it was mostly the people that lived close to me in and Windermere. So what was that uh, like vibe? Like, I mean, you just had like a happy little cul-de-sac home life. That's what I think when I think Windermere. Well, it wasn't all, um, like planned subdivisions back then. Like it was dirt roads and and orange groves. So, so you definitely felt like pretty out there. Yeah. Like we would ride our bikes all over the place and like there was a lot of woods to to explore explore, and we had a lot of freedom and Mm -hmm. um so yeah we would just get in trouble all the time (laughs) fair enough yeah as boys do and and girls do growing up but um that's interesting so high school was that kind of more of the same or like how do those years shape you or who were you in those yeah i feel i was like on west orange a downward spiral until um like 10th grade so ninth grade i started um experimenting with things and then 10th grade i had a made an older friend that had a car and like yikes going to school became optional so we would go to denny's and just drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and that would be first period so yeah it was uh it was dumb to act that way but um but also like i don't like the work of school or I want to be rebellious or I want, like, I want to show my parents, like, you're not the boss of me. Yeah. School. I mean, it, there's so many people there and it, it, it's tough to, 
to stay focused. Um, I've never been diagnosed with ADD or anything like that, but like I probably have hmm. have something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, eleventh grade, I convinced my parents to send me to a private school. What? Yeah. And um, because in eleventh grade. I convinced my parents to send me to boarding school. To boarding school? Yeah. Which one did you go to? Well, I I grew up in Virginia um, and then I went for <clears throat> excuse me, I went for not even one semester <laughs> to a school called Bob Jones in mm, South Carolina. Mm. And it was like next level bonkers. <laughs> I was like, this is not gonna happen. So I left. And then the second half of my junior year, I went to a school in New Hampshire mm. and it was less bonkers, but it was still pretty nutty. Still bo- bo- boarding school. Boarding school. So I went away, like I left my. What was that like? Um, I mean, it was something that I had, I, I was deciding to change my life and my view and my faith and my belief. And so I thought that like, I had had, I had, so I don't know if it, parallels at all, but I had some pretty explosive rebellious years from like eighth grade to like 10th grade. Mm. And so I got to the end of 10th grade and I had kind of worked my way into the popular crowd and like where I wanted to be. Mm. And then I got there and I just saw how empty it was alongside of everything else. Mm. And I was like, if this is all, if this is the, the height of like, what I'm supposed to do is like just be in the popular crowd. I felt like for me, it was like, I I can either live for the world and like chase this like empty popularity, or I can live for God and really pursue things that are meaningful and like feel loved well and love people well, but I can't do both. You can't be popular and like God. No, no, no. I mean, no, it was just, it was just, I had kind of seen, for me, like what I had thought would be fulfilling mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I got into those places um, and I got there and it like, wasn't, I guess like what I thought it was, or it didn't fulfill me in the ways that I was looking. And that for. caused you to go to boarding school. It did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so were they, were they Christian boarding schools? Yeah. Oh, wow. They were like next level insane boarding schools. And yeah. so I went there and so I was like, coming from like a lot of rebellion, like running away from home, like getting drunk, like at 14, you know, like you're making all these like stupid, hanging out with people, kids that did drugs. Like, I was doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, running away from home. Running away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fights with my parents, yeah. which were regrettable mm-hmm. as now. Yeah. Right. We can see, um, just doing really stupid stuff, which is, I think, I mean, it's part of my story or in your story. It's like, you have to go through those things, to, I think, to know what is meaningful and like get it out of your system. I mean, I had to get it out of my system, well, like I just mean, being a horrible human for a couple of years. So thankfully I kind of sowed a lot of those wild oats kind of early on Yeah. and really made some changes in the, in the trajectory of my life. So I wanted to go away to school to get away from my family, which is part of it. And mm. then also like, I was like, I need, I would like a fresh start because I really would like to change the way I'm living and I'm not proud of yeah. like, who I was becoming. But anyway, so back to you, you went to private school as a die 
in eleventh yeah. grade. Yeah. And did that shift something? Um, yeah, I mean, it was really lenient and they, like, they tried to get me to go to boarding school too, but I, um, I was like, there's no way I'm going to boarding school. Okay. Um, and I, I like dyed my hair, like vampire pink red for the tour. And the lady was like, yeah, we're not, we're not taking this kid. We're not accepting him. Yeah. Was it boarding school out of Florida? Yeah. I think it was Mont Montverde. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Um, and, um, so I went to the school and it, it was super progressive. They were like, it would be nothing for us to just be like in class be like, oh, Hey, let's go have class at the park. And like, we would just like, cause it was tiny. Was this school here in yeah, Florida? It was, I forget what it was called, but okay. it was, it was really tiny. Like there was, is it no longer? Um, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. All right. Cool. Um, so I went from like not really applying myself at all to getting really good grades because I had the freedom and the support to. Same. Yeah. 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 To do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then after that one year, I was like, you know, I don't want to graduate from this place. Like I want to, huh. I want to go back to get like a. A real a, high school degree. So what diploma or it's not a degree, right? I mean, they're going to give you a diploma at a private school too, aren't they? Yeah. But I, I don't know. Some, some reason at the time I thought it was enough. It was different. So I, I went back and for your uh, senior year and I finished my senior year and I was able to maintain good grades because I had, I had learned to learn and, mm -hmm. and apply myself and, mm -hmm. um, I had completely changed the people that I hang out with. And how was that reentry back into your senior year of high school? Uh, it was okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember there being a lot of, I mean, like your old friends weren't like, Hey, come hang out with us. And you're like, no man, I'm good. Yeah. No. Well, like the, the troublemaker people that I was hanging out with, they were already gone. They're already gone. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So they either, Dropped out or oh boy, didn't finish or whatever. <laughs> know. Who knows? Well, that's good for your story that that was hopefully not a part of your story that you finished with a diploma from the yeah. high school. Yeah, yeah. Took some work to to graduate on time with with everything, but right. I did like uh, summer classes and night classes, and ended up walking with everybody all thousand people or whatever it was That's graduated insane. at a time it's crazy so i graduated from the boarding school mm. that i went to and my year granted was exceptionally a smaller class yeah very small class yeah but i graduated one out of 11 students wow yeah so it was small. That's impressive. Yeah, like the normal ones were like 30, 35. Yeah. And then ours for some reason was like super low. But we had, um, yeah, 11 students in my class. <laughs> oh my gosh. My GPA was like, it was decent when I graduated, but there were so many like insane achievers in my 11 students mm. that even I was like at the 
kind of the bottom of the graduating class, but I had still had a pretty okay GPA. Like, yeah, I was very academically like forward. So I also too kind of like learned, like I had to rise to that level. They had a mandatory three hour study hall. If you didn't have a 3.0 or above. So I wait three hours in a row. Yes. So like you did, you have dinner and then after dinner is done, you can either go back to your dorm or you went to study hall for three hours from like, I think it was like 6.30 to 9.30. And so unless you had 3.0. And so I very quickly hustled my 3.0. rear end to get like 3.0. And yeah. Up, you know, I just was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's garbage. That's so crazy. Um, did you further your education upon your completion of high school at West Orange? Yeah, I went to um, Valencia. Same. And then I went to UCF. Did not go it, there. It took me a long time. Okay. You could finish eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Did you enjoy your time there? That's a, that's a no. I don't know. I feel like if I could do college over again, I probably would have rushed through it and been more of a a college student than like I started working full time right out of high school. Just to get out of your parents' house? Yeah. 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 So um, if I could do it over again, I probably would have focused more on school for for a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm also glad that I did it that way because I had a lot of um, real world education by the time I graduated. So. So you were sporting yourself and going to college full time or you were taking your time like getting through? Uh, I was taking my time. And I just kept changing what I wanted to be when I grew up, which I don't know if I'm ever going to grow up. What did you what were some of the things that you majored in? What did you start with? Um, electronical engineering, I think is what it was called. All right. And then I was like, uh, computer, computer science, film, video game, physics. And then, I see, um, I see, yeah. Or- I, what else? I ended up with a finance degree and economics. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Nah, not a lot of people know that. No. Yeah. It's my my Your party secret trick. super skill. Right. Yeah. Finite, well, incredibly resourceful for having your own business. Yeah, it helps. Um, so I do not have a finance degree and I freaking hate it. <laughs> it's not my strength. And it is hard to sometimes wrap your mind around a business with, with not having a strong financial knowledge but you do yeah so that would be very helpful it helps a lot as you are growing and maturing and then more invested in something and having more of a i'm just so interested in this having more of a maybe direction or purpose was any like parent relations was that at all stronger or did they see like my parents yeah no they were they were done completely hands off really yeah okay I mean, they, they helped me with the cost of school. Okay. And, um, 
but they were never like leading me in a direction or sitting me down and being like, okay, son, it's time to make some decisions about which way you want to go with your life. Like hmm. the only thing that my, uh, that, that I can remember that they did, and I'm sure they did a lot more, uh, so my, I, they have a speaker company and I had been like kind of helping them like box and package speakers. And then when I was, so your dad was no longer at Epcot. Yeah. Well, my dad still does the consulting engineering thing or he did, but he, they also have a speaker company. Oh, so, okay. um, got it. So like physical speakers that you plug music into They're outdoor speakers. Outdoor. They're like the little green mushroom speakers that you see at theme parks yes. like Disney and yes, 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 yes. those types of places. Okay. So, um, but he said, look, you have to go get a, a job somewhere and it's going to be at either uh sea world universal or disney it has to be one of those three places and why did why i don't know is why but if i was to guess i think it's to uh work for a larger corporation that has what infrastructure? Yeah. I mean, or... working at Disney in high school is that's where I chose. Right. Um, I skipped around a little bit, but I, I chose Disney and working there, like. And your dad was there at the time working there. At he, no, I think at no. the time he was, he was working on the Atlanta Olympics or something like that. Um, like they put you through the, the brainwashing right the traditions where they teach you all about the culture and then that's like a really good foundation for understanding how to be a good Employee? citizen of a company like yeah. and having that and then living that for like one or two years during high school like yeah what did you do at disney i served food at some at Pinocchio's. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's where, yeah. <laughs> that's where I needed that's to That's what you wanted to know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Pinocchio's. Yeah. Still there. Still there. Still the same music. I'm pretty sure. Would you I could. I can't. Blow your brains out after uh, being there like the whole day? Like listening to the same thing? Uh, no? Oh, good. All right. I'm pretty, pretty good with that. Tolerant? Yeah. Um, And it was like, it was also awesome to be able to like, get off of work and then change your clothes and then just go hang out in mm -hmm. a theme park with your friends. Like, right. Who most of my friends work there too. So that was that pretty convenient. Out. Yeah. Cool. Um, so it was weird. Like my, my best friend in high school, he ended up being in the same, um, restaurant as me, but I don't think that was requested. Like it was, you just randomly got placed there? Yeah. Both got placed there? Yeah. So that's a pretty big like win, the universe, right? the universe looking out. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, a lot of times we didn't work at the same time, so, but. Fair enough. Yeah. Did you remain in that job through your college years? No. Um, after high school, um, I started working at Circuit City. Okay. Selling car stereo. I remember those. Yeah. I remember Circuit City. Yeah. yeah. And that was another lucky Radio break. Shack. Yeah. Circuit City's not still around, right? 
No, they they went bankrupt. Right. Yeah. They, they went from like being a innovative, I don't know if they're innovative, but being a great company to chasing Best Buy. And then they couldn't compete. Yeah. They were just the first one to fold because right. their whole structure was based on commission salespeople and um, like being knowledgeable. Like we, we trained a lot. We trained every day and like we were always learning about product features and like how to be better salespeople and and all that stuff. But that did not pay off for them. Well, somebody took over and just, they were like, Oh, we're going to get rid of commission. And like, we don't need knowledgeable people anymore. And like, we're just going to be Best Buy and Best Buy was like, well, no, we're Best Buy. So (laughs) So. you guys are going out of business. Fair enough. Yeah. That was my experience. I don't know what really, really happened. Yeah. Cool. So you make it out of college alive. Yeah. That's what we're finally. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, into the adult years. Yeah. When I got out of college, I was like, I had this finance degree and all of my skills were in sales and marketing. So when you have a finance degree, like you're a salesperson. Um, you sell huh. financial services like that's oh, okay. most most people with finance degrees they don't go into the whole analyst thing um, at least the ones that I know yeah um, and after Circuit City I had worked at a, a financial company and I was doing marketing there and I that's where I met Gilbert my business partner mm-hmm. And, um, he kind of sat me down and was like, Hey, we should open a creative agency. And can I ask how old you were at this time? No. Okay. Yeah. Mystery around my age. Oh oh God. I was like mid twenties. Yeah. Late twenties. Late twenties. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was kind of focused on like, no, I'm, I'm going to use this finance degree. And, um, did you have like, I would love to attain, or I would love to land somewhere like as a career. Yeah. I had all these lists of like things that I wanted to do and things I wanted to create. And, um, I was, they were in the business realm, creative realm or in no. Or in the finance building realm. Like, I want my end goal is to make money. Yeah. Yeah. So that I can do all the cool things. Like mm. with the money. With the money. Yeah. Um, but I will I will die on this job so that I can have money to accomplish what I want. Yeah. Cool. Um, How'd that work out? Well, I got talked out of it, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, by the people around me who were like, hey, you're like covered in tattoos and like you're a real creative edgy person and like you're gonna go put on a tie and like Uh, sling financial services and uh look at spreadsheets all the time and like that's probably burn out that's probably not the best thing for you um so it was cool to have that all accidentally happen to Mm -hmm. me kind of the the fate 
of the creation of our company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So here and, we are. And, yeah. And yeah. The thing was like, I don't know if this is my internal wiring or it's an eight thing, but I was just like, oh, opportunity. Oh, yeah. Open a business. Like, yeah, sure. Great. And didn't really understand how hard it is mm-hmm. to to run a business. Be- everything fell into place and mm. we were um, we were going pretty quick. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties. So if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area and haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. So. How and who came up with um, Laughing Samurai, the name? Oh, man. I've always wondered this. We like, want this on recording out in, out in the world. Yeah. So. Let's hear it. Um, I'll tell you the story. Okay. Of how we came up with the name. Because the naming is, it's always been this obsession that I have. Like, I used to create these bands in middle school and high school. And I was like, the first thing I needed was a name Mm -hmm. and it needed to be awesome. And I didn't even care if we knew how to play music. Like if we just, we had a really cool name. Um, so the process for coming up with a name is like, we looked at the marketplace and we're like, okay, there's all these people and they have really cool names too. Okay. And we don't want our name to be similar to theirs at, at all. Right. We want to, we want to stand you wanna apart. Be against. Yeah. Hmm. We want to. Okay. Got it. Um, and we just brainstormed for three, four days. Oh, wow. Weeks. Okay. Months. I don't know. It was a long time. And, um, just throwing things out, seeing what would stick. Yeah. It, it When that came out, because there was a lot of really good names that came out, but they were either too close to something else or um, they were like spelled weird or it just didn't sound like who we were. And that one came out and it was like, that really fits. Everybody that was involved liked it. The domain was available. All the, I mean, I guess it's, it was at the beginning then, but all the social handles were available and we could just claim it everywhere. Was there any like meaning behind like that you felt like you felt attached to? 
or you just like the the words together and like just how it sounds and it was totally different than the norm yeah i mean i'd like to say that there was a meaning but there's there's no there's like it it definitely reflected our personality and who who we were and sure um yeah yeah so as we grow and we get to grow into adulthood and shape the past that we want and, and the careers that we want to step into and the people hopefully that we want to be, um, we get to create a lot of things that are our own. Would there be a time, like a seminal moment or a time or a project or a thing um, that you can say from your life, adult life that you would look back on and say like, yeah, I'm like really proud of that. Like I worked a lot of, I put a lot into this and I saw the fruit that came. Wait a second. Hold on. You're an eight, right? Like, we're yeah. and like, do you ever look at what you're doing and like congratulate yourself and say, I'm proud of that? Yeah. Like you do. Oh, for sure. Oh uh, yeah. I don't ever do that. When I had my, my one year dinner party anniversary, at Scan Design, and I had almost a hundred people there. Oh wow! And I had pulled this thing off, and I'm I remember like at the end of that event, thinking like, I'm I'm really proud of this. Like I can't believe that I pulled this off. <laughs> like I started something that I'm proud of, and then I pulled off this really big event for a one year anniversary party, and that was like hmm. a moment that I felt like, I mean, it's not perfect, and. It's still not perfect, but I felt like, yeah, I like could see something that I invested a lot into and it was rewarding to see. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't ever reflect that way. I'm like always like, what's the next thing? Like, let's, we got to do something like that. That was cool uh-huh. yesterday. What's, what's cool today? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had a business for 11 years. Like that's that an accomplishment. accomplishment. Yeah. Good Lord. Um, I'm halfway there. <sighs> we'll see if we make it to 11 years, but, yeah. but I'm list halfway there. So I'm proud of that, but yeah. you are proud of, I mean, 11 years is an, is an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, was there ever like a client that you landed or like a project that you felt like, yeah, we, I can't believe it. Well, we, I pulled this, we pulled this off. I feel that way about all our clients. Like I've everybody that, that shows up, I'm not being hokey. Like it's everybody that shows up. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's really cool. And super interesting. Okay. Um, I know that maybe not everyone feels that way, but I, I guess a part of my selling process is to just like, look at someone and be like, well, how is this cool and interesting and how could it be? fun to work on Mm -hmm. and then the ones that that aren't we just don't Don't, we just don't don't, do yeah take them yeah okay so well give me a lot to work with here sorry (laughs) accomplishments is like maybe that can be my thing for for this year is to start looking back and like Uh writing down all of my accomplishments and and then you can have me back on it can be the a reprise of yeah. Ben's account. Yes, absolutely. We could talk about how awesome I am. These that are all the I'm awesome things I that did. That is what I wanted you to to speak to. Is you are awesome. So, I mean, like accomplish some the awesome art gallery, things. right? So, 
Yes. I'm sitting there in our space and I'm like, this is really cool. It would make a really cool art gallery. Mm -hmm. And um, like a week later, I'm having uh, drinks or coffee with a group of people and someone says, yeah, I'm trying to find a curator. Like I want to do curation mm -hmm. somewhere. And I was like, oh, well, I have a space and some white walls. We should have a meeting about that. And um, we ended up doing 29 shows total. Wow. Yeah, from those two, like conversations, conversations. That's so, an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was fun. That happened. And that did happen. Um, but sadly, when we moved out of that space, it kind of lost its energy, its luster. And, mm -hmm. um, we did the last two shows we did at the uh, orange, orange studio. studio. Yeah. yeah. It just, it just wasn't the same. So we were like, yeah, let's, that was there. And if we do it again, like we'll need to, revisit. We'll, we'll need to figure something else mm. out and mm -hmm. we may be, we may be doing that. Cool. Yeah. That was a cool time. I feel like, I mean, I found out about that. I feel like, in the rise of a lot of things that were happening in Orlando, like as the yeah. restaurant scene was coming up. So this is probably what, like six, eight years ago. It started in 2009. 2009. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. Right. So I probably knew about it. Yeah. Probably around 2010 or 11. Yeah. A year, a couple years before dinner party, but, but having, these people that were investing with like really cool art and like, you know, snap was coming up soon after that. And, um, you know, restaurants were starting to like emerge within like the restaurant scene. And, mm -hmm. Like I had moved to Orwin Manor in 2008. So, wow. yeah, really starting to see at that time, it was like just the beginnings of things to yeah. like bring kind of almost any culture to, Orlando that wasn't the theme park. Back when everybody walked around and said Orlando sucks all the time. Right. Yeah. But now they say. Orlando doesn't suck. We said that for a while. Right. Yeah. What do they say now? I don't know. Orlando's wonderful. Nobody talks trash about it anymore that I can. As much. Yeah. Right. It's very, very interesting. That shift. But. What a cool shift that it yeah. was at that time and yeah. like finding those those pockets of people that were kind of like in the know and then actually like moving things forward with like community events and mm -hmm. like and doing things, which I think is something that we can all be proud of to contribute to, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty amazing. So with the beautiful accomplishments, which I know that you can't stop talking about, um, kind of on the other side of that, um, has there ever been like a time or a season of life or just a general, you don't have to go into like super specifics, but a time maybe that was like not as easy or like kind of like a harder season or I don't know, it may be a seminal moment of something devastating happened, or maybe it was just like, have you ever had like something hard that you've had to work through? And then like, how have you work through that and come out on the other end. I don't, my life's not, hasn't ever been really, really hard. Like if it's been hard, it's because I made it hard. Okay. Um, like right at the time that, um, that I started laughing samurai. Um, 2009. I, long time. Um, 
I went through a divorce then, like mm-hmm. a year afterwards, and that was super lame. Yeah. The way that the way that we did that, and uh, so th- that was tough. Um, but that started a journey of personal development that was like, you know, still ongoing today. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't ever regret it, but um, now that I've grown a little bit, I probably would do it, would have done it differently. Sure. Yeah, I would have done it a lot differently, actually. But um, but I that also I... that experience also made me who I am. Right. Um, and then running a business is like, it's hard. Like, yeah. And you, you can't really show it to the rest of the world, um, when it is hard. So it becomes, it becomes lonely. Like as the leader of your business, a leader of your business, that feels like some place that you can't, um, be your full self. No, I'm definitely my, my full self all the time. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't pretend, I don't pretend to be. employees and clients like see the high and the low. Yeah. Like there was a time that I went through, uh, well, no highs and lows generally don't share the lows Mm -hmm. because you don't want to, um, you don't want to advertise your lows. Like that's. Not to your clients anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, so there is some sort of like, I do have to kind of keep it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And hold that to your own personal space and time. Yeah. And like, there are things that you go through there as are, a business owner yeah. that you, like people just, you can't vent out loud to most people about it because sure. yeah, they just don't have the context to really understand what you're going through. So and not all of that is meant to be shared with everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so there is like boundaries and like healthy ways of being vulnerable. But yeah. then also knowing that, I, yeah, I think having spaces to be vulnerable and then having, I mean, the reality is the weight of that. You are carrying a lot of things personally and in business, mm-hmm. but you also do have to like lead well. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it's like how it's, it's, it's an obviously ongoing. I mean, sometimes there are like seasons in my life that have been more low. And so figuring out how to operate well and still take care of myself, but also to know that like right now I'm not doing the best. Yeah. I think accepting that you're not okay is like the most important part there is just mm. being like, yeah, I'm not okay right now. Yeah. And it's okay to not it's be okay, okay to not be okay right now. Yeah. Um, I really struggled a lot every time we lost uh, an employee, whether they quit or we had to fire them. Um, because I've, I take that failure on personally and I had to learn to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving myself space to say, Hey, it's okay that this is affecting you. Like you don't have to, right. You don't have to pretend like it doesn't affect you. Um, was, was really, really great. Hmm. So, and same thing with losing clients and like whether they leave on good terms or bad terms, like it's right. It's tough. How do you feel like you learned to like cut your losses? Um, 
I have a really strong belief system that whatever is happening today is the best thing for me on my path to get to where I want to go. So I didn't always have that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, I would say it's 97% solidified that I can handle what's in front of me, handle what's in front of me by just saying like, Hey, like this doesn't look like it fits on that path, but ah. it does. So just roll with it. Yeah. And so with that came a new mindset of just like, well, this must be the thing that I need to like move forward to greater heights and leaving a client or an employee. Yeah. Then that's, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it doesn't make it hurt any less, but it makes it easy to get through that whole like process of grieving or, or whatever. Right. Fair so. enough. So you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but could you give us a little bit of a brief glimpse into the role of what you do in your company and like what you have created um, as your role? I do a lot. Um, I this year have decided to focus mostly on new business. Um, so that's finding new clients and, um, do you like business acquisition? Uh, it's just it, what you feel like you need to do for your company. So let's, let's talk about like, like I don't dislike it. Like I don't wake up every day and be like, Oh, I can't wait to go and sell something. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy the process of working with someone to understand kind of what their challenges are and figuring out if, if we can even help them. Um, I've been doing it for so long that it just, it becomes, it's like, it's natural. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if you're asking me if I want to be a sales guy, the answer is absolutely not. Like I would rather, I'd rather read and think about marketing and creativity and, um, you know, okay, expression, that type of stuff. Do you feel like it's only because you're the best person in your company to be able to go and do that? Or you don't want, like want to relinquish that to somebody else? Uh, I'm told I'm the best person to do that. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. All right. So you are the co-owner yeah. or the, yeah. yeah. So it's you and Gilbert. Me and Gilbert. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. And Gilbert. For um, 11 years now. Like if, if the way that we designed our business and like we grew our employees, like they've all, everybody that's been with us along the way has contributed, but like Gilbert is focused more on the, the creative and the design and the visual aspect of it. And I focus more on the, the strategy and the tone and like, all of that type of stuff. So when a client comes in, like I work with the team to define like, what's the strategy? Like, how are we helping them achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve? And then we Do you get... enjoy that process. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right. Like that's the part that feels like really rewarding for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
like, oh, what's your problem? Or you should do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And we'd love to help execute that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty great. And then I really like the, um, like the business side of it, like building a culture and setting up all the back end business systems and making sure like that's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Back end business systems. You could lose me right there. Yeah. I'm so well, glad that most people, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that that's something that you feel like you would enjoy. Cause I would like run for the Hills, um, for a hundred percent of that. It was not me. Um, so that's a lot. And you've led a team for 11 years and you've yeah. got a lot of people that have been with you for a really long time, yeah. which I think is a beautiful testament yeah. to being able to run a business well. Yeah. Um, how do you think you have kept a lot of like kept, I mean, you say you like to grow culture within your team, which I think is a harder thing than it sounds like. It's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how, like, what are the things that you feel like you focus on or like, how do you lead your team? Well, like to have a really smooth operating people that like love their jobs. I don't think that's as normal as most of the world or most businesses, like people that are invested and that want to be there and that you've grown a culture to foster employee development, client happiness, all that kind of stuff. Like you're a part of that. So I think love like the word love okay is a really big um and like it's important to have love in your business like not romantic or erotic love or anything like that but mm -hmm. like generally like what do i like about this person like in focusing on that like managing a like building a culture around the idea of love because there's cultures that are built around fear and it's like oh i have to be at work on time otherwise i'm going to get reprimanded it's like well i would rather have people that they are showing up at work because they love what they do and they love being a part of a team and, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff so that's uh that's a big part of it working together on fun things helps like we work together on the art gallery and everybody loves doing that. Right. right. So like that's having motivating projects that people are like actually interested in. Yeah. Right. And like, uh, have you, have you been to bonfire? Have you been to that? Your right. bonfires? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So like setting up traditions like that mm. and like, there's a and lot holiday of parties. Yeah. Holiday party. Party, like, yeah. yeah. And, um, we do other, like weird things like I guess they're not weird, but we, we do pancakes for people's birthdays and like um, when the time changes spring forward, we do fresh squeezed orange juice, like, and having those like little like cultural mm -hmm. things, like this is like, that's, that's a, who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And cultures in the real world, like they have those traditions. I mean, I guess we're in the real world, but um, you know, they, every year we do this thing because that's what we've always done mm -hmm. and um, making up new ones and then letting old ones die. And right. I think if people buy into that and then they're buying into your yeah. kind of club yeah, and they feel invested there and then they would want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's awesome. how we, that's how we keep the people there. Keep yeah. the people there. And then we, we try to pay well and like, 
Money. Yeah, it's weird that people are motivated by actually getting paychecks. <laughs> um, and we're trying to like my philosophy there is I want to get to a place where our what we're paying is a little bit better than average, but not so much that like we have like people that are like they don't want to leave when they should like they should be leaving. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, like cause if you're if you're paid too well and maybe the relationship is ex- expired like you've grown as much as you can mm-hmm. working there um like you're not going to go somewhere else and it's it's better to to leave a job when once you've sure. stopped growing yeah really. being able to um contribute fully and well yeah right versus just being too comfortable and turning in like mediocre work yeah and then by that time you're like well this is probably not the best yeah. spot for you like a uh, small business deals with big problems like health insurance and stuff like that right like we didn't have that until recently we just got that and that must be nice i have no idea what that looks like health insurance yeah, yeah. Health it's insurance. expensive and it doesn't pay for anything so yeah <laughs> Gosh. That's what it looks like. Right. Um, it's pretty crazy. We put that in place and we're paying a, a pretty hefty chunk of it so that it's affordable mm-hmm. for people to have. Yeah. Um, and the goal is to pay for 100% of it, but we're not there yet. Sure. So. But I love that you care about those things. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think that you've really... Um, you've been somebody that I've seen over the years, like care about excellence in your work Mm. and the Orlando scene, I think has grown a lot and I've seen a lot of people leave, Mm. um, over a lot of years, a lot of like super talented folks. And the, I think the way that you guys have positioned yourselves and the clients that you take or don't take and the amount of like excellent work that you produce Mm. is effective in Orlando. Thanks. So thank you for being here and like what you do within the city and um, how you lead your team and the people that you invest in to say like, you're worth it to be on my team. And so we've created this place for you yeah. and that you want to foster them and love them. Well, I think is small business is really hard. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes it feels like two steps forward, <laughs> three steps back or like yeah, two definitely. steps forward, one step back. Right. And yeah. that you've, 11 years, like push through, um, with a lot of changes, you know, and, and figure things out obviously, but yeah, I think incrementally, like seeing laughing, laughing samurai get to like better and better places mm. is like a really cool thing to see. And you being, you know, part, um, of the owner in that, um, and just inviting me into some places of things that I'm doing has been like pretty awesome as well. So I always like, thank you for what you're doing. And just being a friend. You're welcome. Of mine. So friends, uh, we can move into my favorite, one of my favorite subjects, which is the Enneagram. So it's, it's, it is interesting to see your trajectory of your life and and mine has somewhat similarities within there. Um, so on the Enneagram scale, you are in... Uh, I'm an eight. You're an eight, as we've already mentioned many times. Yeah. Um, so the eight being the challenger, would you say that you, I have an idea, but would you say that you have an idea of uh, like a wing as far as a seven or a nine? Uh, it's probably a seven. I probably mean, a seven. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. Okay. I have no, no. idea. 
You have no idea. I have no but idea. I mean, you know yourself the best. So seven being what's just so like, what's a seven? The seven is the enthusiast. So they're very spontaneous, um, oftentimes very outgoing, sometimes scattered. They love to be everywhere. They want to be at every party. They want to shake every hand. They don't want to miss out on life. Like not one thing. They want to just like be all the ways all the time. They're okay. often like the life of the party. The nine is the peacemaker. And so very conscientious of the tone of the room, how people are feeling. Does, does everyone have what they need? How are people interpreting their surroundings? Um, if there's conflict, they're either trying to avoid it or they're trying to solve it. They're trying to keep the peace, not rock the boat. I have no clue which one you of those no I have no clue. Am. Okay. Yeah. Got it. No, I can be problem. both. Sure. Absolutely. We are both. We yeah. are all nine. Like there's elements. We're not just, I think that's the beauty of the Enneagram is, is like, it is a tool. It is not something to box you in to say like, oh, you're an eight. You have to like check, you check every single box. Like obviously we don't cause we're humans and we're created very uniquely. Um, and so it's kind of like the ones that we most identify with would be our number or whatever, or a pathway. Um, and then the ones to either side are usually the ones that like my, my friend Stefan said, you kind of hold hands with both of them. And so sometimes you feel like you, like you hold one or you lean more towards one than the other, but we are, we are both of them, yeah. both of those numbers. But, um, sometimes we tend towards within our eightness, some of our, our, our tendencies tend towards like the, a wing one on each side. So my guess would have been maybe a nine because um, I think that you're very aware of the spaces that you're in and the people that you're with and having mm. to like have them feel comfortable and mm. well taken care of and known and probably within your business, if there's conflict, like you also have to be the one that would be addressing that and hopefully resolving it or moving through it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, anyway, so that was just my guess. There's no real. Like, how do you know what your wing is? How do you know what your wing is? Yeah. I think like, it would Is there be... a test that you take? Like you answer questions? That's a great, that's a, that is a great question. And um, I don't know definitively. I would think that maybe either it's self-identifying, like mm. your friend handed you that list and he said, hey, pick out which one. So mm. it would be like looking at the two and say, do I feel like I'm scattered and I love to be at every single thing all the time? Like I have boundless energy and I'm spontaneous. Or maybe you say, or do I think like, oh, like I'm more like grounded and centered. And nines usually I'm just, um, nines usually are, uh, yeah, like not as full. Like I feel like sevens are very high energy. And then nines are maybe not as much like energy to go out and do all the things. So it's maybe how you position or see yourself out. I definitely bounce back and forth in my life. Can your, can your Enneagram change? Like, or once you've solidified right. your. I think, and what I've read is that that kind of, once you find the right one, I think that people can be mistyped. Mm. Um, but I think that our DNA, I think once we come out of like adolescence, like into adulthood, I think, I don't think like it's good to type type people before, like mm. as their kids or when they're young, but like as you grow into kind of solidifying who you are as an adult, I think, I think you kind of have, once you hit the right one, I think that is your type and your path. 
Yeah. Um, I was mistyped. You were mistyped. Yeah. And the tests are all wrong for me. Mm -hmm. Um, When you took the test, did you test as a five? I don't know what I tested as. You don't know what you tested as? No. Oh. And like there's a... Did you care about it at that point? When you took the test? I can't remember. I go like I go back and forth on caring about these things. Like it's like it's all astrology to me. Okay. Like and some days it's useful and some days it's just hocus pocus for me. So okay. um I think so the way that I came to it is I had met a guy who was a like used it. Like he's trained with Enneagram teachers and he's professional Enneagram guy. And he gave me a test. Uh, the, the test that he gave me was open ended questions. And I, the only one I can remember is like, if you could be any animal, what would you be? And, um, what was the answer? I don't know. You don't know. Probably a dragon. Okay. I mean, wouldn't you be a dragon? <laughs> no. Be, what would you be? A dolphin. Oh, okay. yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. Um, All right, a dragon, fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. through that, he's like, "Oh, you're a, you're a five. And then I, um, I spent some time with him, like one on one. And at the end of that day, he's like, "Oh, I was wrong." read this list. You just mentioned that, like, look at this list and it didn't have any identification on it. And I read the descriptions and through the process of elimination, we, I picked that I was an eight. So got it. Fair enough. Landed on eight, but But it feels like, go ahead. Every other test that I've taken, it's like all over the place. Like I get seven, I get four. Right. I get. Yeah. I think the best way is self-identification and then also like, people that are trusted within your world and saying like, how do you, I mean, cause I don't think it's hocus pocus. I think it's really wise and beneficial to be self-aware yeah. to like know how you're inhabiting spaces. Totally. Right. So this being a tool of that to say, yep. for me, it has given me language to understand myself better and then how I interpret the people around me and the world around me and like, being able to move better and have better relationships. Mm, is, yeah, totally. Right? I mean, it's not just something we talk about. Like for me, it's been something that's like helped shape how I can interact better with the world. Yeah. And, and I'm using it to manage my business too. Like I right. know I have two fives on my team. They don't talk in meetings. They like, if you ask them something, they need to prepare for it. Like they're mm. very like just tell me what the rules are and tell me what to do. And like, I will make sure that it's done amazing. And knowing that they were fives, let me be more comfortable Mm. with, okay, this is how they're going to show up. And like, they're not going to come to a meeting and just be loud and like, ideas all over the place and breathe within like who they are. Yeah. And they can also execute their job well, but you don't have to expect maybe like a different, um, like outcome or different, like interpersonal like skills from yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And like knowing who's a four and who's a two and like all of, all of that stuff. Right. But like, I don't know any details about those numbers. Like I don't ever hold on to that information. Like I just know my experience of people. So like mm. I, this person's a two, I experience them. So therefore if this person's a two, I'm basing my 
experience on that. Does that make sense? Say it one more time. Like, if you know someone's a two, then you know what, how to interact with them or how to, what to expect from them. Like rather than read the description of a two and okay. then try to apply that to the, the world, I take my experience of people and then use that to understand what a two is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the reading the book They're and then fleshing out of how they live their life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I used another personality test and I tested, um, all like I tested like 20 people and I put it into a spreadsheet and it, it had 10 different dimensions. And I took my experience of those people and used it to understand what the dimensions meant, but then just reading the description of it, like just, it just doesn't huh. do anything for me. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you're an eight, which is definitely the challenger. Um, I am super curious to, um, I mean, I think like the people that we become is a combo of like our kind of like our childhood shaping years yeah, and then our DNA that we're given. Right. right? We don't choose any, both of those, but I try to like, not like over spiritualize or over analyze or over whatever, but I, I'm kind of always trying to like that eightness right within me of like, I kind of have mostly always felt kind of like against the way the world does things. And then yeah. I also have felt in my body like anger and it oh, yeah. like lives here. And for most of my life, I, I didn't. So understanding that people like their body types, like the people react with anger, shame or fear. Mm -hmm. That was revolutionary to me um, because I felt like I always like had a lot of anger and I didn't know where it came from. Was that Enneagram? Mm -hmm. Anger, shame or fear? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the nine, there's there's three, three, like three goes in each one. Uh. So nine, eight and one is anger. Mm. Um and as I grew up, I was first born one and then I was a girl. So I was really breaking through a lot of things with my, with my family and with my parents and trying to test, test the waters. And like, um, I just, and there was a lot of things like I didn't grow up in a perfect family. I had four younger brothers. So I had to uh, do. Nobody grew up in a perfect nobody family. Nobody grew up in a perfect. No. Right. Yeah. So every person is like dealing with the fallout of like. However, your parents, you know, yeah. didn't do it right. Yeah. No parent is going to do it right. Right. But I know that there are things. So I had four younger brothers. So like I had to grow up really fast. I had to do a lot of things and like help put kids to bed or do baths or do lunches or clean the house. And like I had to like do a lot of things before I was probably of the age that I should have done those things. Right. And so I'm sure some of that comes from that. But with you and with AIDS, like, I'm just curious as like, I'm what, like, I feel like I wonder where this rage like comes from or like when you were a kid, like, do you feel like you had any clue as far as like, was it something maybe coming down from your parents or from the world or from injustice that you see? Like, can you think of like when you started to feel like, man, I am, I am, I am rage against the machine. I am against the world. I'm into defying i'm gonna dye my hair red i'm gonna do whatever it is to like set myself apart and raid <laughs> like mm. you know what i mean like 
I don't know when the rage started. Uh, my memory of it, like taking over, is um, middle school, middle you know, school. seventh grade, sixth grade, um, and. I've done a lot of work on understanding anger as an emotion and kind of mm -hmm. like knowing how to work with it and yeah. knowing how to express it. And, um, cause it can be healthy and it can be unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's good like reasons for it to have it. Um, I pay attention to my emotions so much that when I have an angry out, outburst or like I can feel it. Like I know there's, I'm out of balance somewhere. Like, so I need to make some change in the way that I'm living my life. Like maybe I'm not sleeping yeah. enough or maybe there's somebody I need to talk to that I I'm just holding it in, or maybe there's somebody I need to stop talking to. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the anger becomes kind of a, an indicator parameter yeah. of the cat. Yeah. And then huh. once you know, you just handle it. Cause you're an eight and that's what eights do. They just handle things. They do handle things. How do you think the, if, if, if at all, if this tool is helpful at all, like, how do you think like having the awareness of, of like yourself, like being an eight, like has that impacted any ways that you like live your life or lead or like know how you inhabit a space? Um, I think it, it, helped me accept my my role as a leader as just like a natural part of my personality mm -hmm. where i was really um resistant to accepting that yeah. role for for a long time even within loving samurai yeah definitely um so kind of looking at the description and being like oh eights are they're naturally like the the leader type mm -hmm. and um so that was that was pretty useful right seeing uh, that being able to step into that and being like this makes sense yeah all these things have led up to this because i'm kind of form or i'm kind of formulated to have this as my role yeah right? i think any uh, any good leader is going to be resistant to taking on the leadership role, but it's like, it's going to be completely natural for them. Like they just, mm -hmm. they do it, but they're like, oh, I mean, if I have to, <laughs> like, it's not, um, people use ego driven, but it's just not, I guess, ego driven. No, because I think that it doesn't like, I believe so much in how powerful good leadership can be yeah. in that people need that. Like realizing, I mean, cause sometimes you think like, Oh, it's terrible for people to have to work under somebody or they usually don't like their bosses or whatever. But in a perfect world, like there are people that are leaders and there are people that are not like there are people that like love to follow. And there are people that love to assist somebody who has like a big vision and they want to come in and yeah. they don't want to be the leader, but having people like even in myself learning ways that, I found that weaknesses within like, I guess my own leadership, I feel like it's really hard and it is a skill to develop. And it is a beautiful thing when leadership is invested in and then is executed well. Yeah. Because people feel cared for and loved 
and you like even within bigger corporations you need really great leaders yeah. to grow things to the capacity that they can grow yeah. or else you're going to only grow as far as like your one little person can grow so to ha having that release to say yeah i'm a leader like i want to own this and it's not like an ego like i'm any better than you because like if you didn't have your people on your team you would have you would not have a business except for yourself like i'm yeah. a one-man shop right yeah so how beautiful it is to know that people are created for that and when they can own that and then step into it and take it to a next level and invest in it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we need, we need people like that. And eights kind of naturally somewhat are those people yeah. that can move things forward and they can see the vision and they say, Hey, the like eights in the bigger sense are like, the world doesn't have to be like this, right? Like I'm going to do something against the status quo and we're going to do something different and it's going to be better, mm. but you're going to have vision to take them there. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. Nicole or like different people in the community that are saying like, I want to, I want to lead you into something that you've never seen before, but we're going to do it together and it's going to be for the betterment. And I, I can see it and let's all like power forward. Mm. Yeah, I uh, heard a definition for leadership recently that was um, leadership is uh, causing something to happen that wouldn't have happened if you weren't involved. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's Damn. super genius. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I wish I could credit who it came from, but I can't remember right now it's not me because i'm you. not that smart that's Fair enough. yeah but you remembered it yeah knowledge is power knowledge is power speaking of knowledge and all the things um a lot of things on your plate um the final topic is rest which is probably my most favorite um what are some practices or things uh that you have adopted to uh, have rest in your life. If I don't rest. What does that look like in your world? I don't even sleep. I haven't slept in 10 years. Why? I'm just kidding. Um, what do I do for rest? Uh, I just go until I burn out and then I like lay in bed and re recover and, um, no, that's what I used to do. Okay. So I have a really, uh, developed spiritual practice okay i wake up uh super early in the morning and what is super I, early like five yep that's super early yeah yep. sometimes four nope nope not you and what time do you wake up 7 30 7 30 yeah that would be really late for me anything um, before 7 30 is early i am not a morning person but do you stay up late yeah stay up till yeah, yeah. Midnight? Yeah. yeah. Plus? Um, sometimes I, I mean, I go through cycles, so. I also need like seven to eight hours of sleep. I need about five or six. No, that would not work. But I also like to nap. So, like to, okay. Uh, yeah, I nap right. a lot. Um, in my, enough. if the door is closed to my office, I'm probably taking a nap. Now the world knows. So if you're <laughs> there, if you're there. <laughs> now you know. Uh, I like to take like 20, 20 minute power naps. Sure. So, um, so, so you wake up early, wake up early, spiritual practice. Uh, yeah, spiritual practice. And it, 
it's evolved. Like it's, you know, studying and writing. And, um, recently I did a, um, like a hundred day process where we got a recording every morning and there was a writing exercise and then a art exercise. So there was oh. a drawing component to it. Okay. Um, and that has caused me to incorporate drawing into my little morning ritual. So super is that cool. something that comes natural to you? I guess it okay. comes natural to everyone. Uh, no, not really. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say that I'm like a world-class illustrator, but I'm, it's not really about that. It's about expressing yourself you, creatively. Yeah, you enjoy that process. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so that's, that's a new part of it. And it's just, it's about taking care of yourself and. What does self-care look like to you? Personal development. Okay. Like, um. So investing in. Yeah. Like, uh, writing. Okay. Um, I've been doing like morning page type of writing for a while. Um, or like taking a, an idea, mm -hmm. like, or a writing prompt and then just writing two or three pages about it. Um, Do you feel like that kind of like helps free up like mental space or gives you calmness? Yeah. Or, mm -hmm. uh, it allows you to know yourself deeper and deeper, which if you've never had a conversation with yourself on paper, like you should give it a try because hmm. the things that come out after you get over the fact that you're having a conversation with yourself are, they're pretty profound and you can have a breakthrough, a um, personal breakthrough that, that really shifts things. So, uh, I like to travel a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I like food. I mean, Same. most people like food, yep. but I like good food. Like you only have so many meals in your life. Like why would you waste them on crappy food? Like, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I like looking at art. A lot of times I'll just listen to music. Like people listen to music all the time. Right. But they don't right. really listen Sit, to music. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, put on some headphones and like a whole album. Yeah. Having whole album and ingest all, uh, all this year I've been doing uh, like a picking a song of the day and putting it on a playlist and then that's growing I'm gonna see if I can keep that up all year okay um, then I could go back and listen to that it'll be my little song journal okay yeah cool um what else if you had like an ideal or like a dream day off it could be here it could be anywhere like money is of no like uh, like if you ben could just be like here's a day you could fill it with all of like your favorite things restful things what would like a day your dream day off look like that's impossible to answer can it be like a dream week off no yes sure. yeah because it takes a day or two to to really unwind, unwind. Uh -huh. um, and there's just so much to do in the world. Like, well, how could you pick things for for one day? And like, there's different modes. There's being in the woods mode, mm -hmm. right? So I'll go 
find a mountain that doesn't have cell service mm -hmm. and just walk around on it and look at it and relax. Discover. And then there's city mode, uh, when that's restaurants and art mm -hmm. and cool things Do you that have any other favorite people... cities. Uh, no, I mean the standard ones: New York, okay, New York. Austin, Seattle, um, Chicago. Uh, I've really liked everywhere I go. That's the hope. Yeah. 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 I mean, every, every place has such unique features, character. Like if you, if you walk into somewhere positively, then mm -hmm. you can find them. Um, so city mode and then, um, festival mode, hmm. like South by Southwest has its own character. And like, that's, that would be, that's a perfect thing. And I try to do that every year. Mm -hmm. And then like the art fair, art basil type of experience. Mm -hmm. I, I try to do that every year. Um, so it's too much for one day. Yes. Yeah, obviously too much for one day, but yes, things like travel, art, food, <clears throat> yeah, exploring but nature. My friend was telling me I, I've been resistant to go to, um, what is that? The desert, uh, Burning Man. Yeah. Oh, right. She goes, she goes every year and right. she was telling me that it would be, um, good for that you. would blow my mind. Okay. Which, um, I, I look like I want unique cultural experiences and I just want to continue to have those. Like mm -hmm. this is unique. Yeah. Not your standard, um, <clears throat> mini golf type of like thing. Although mini golf is pretty awesome. If that's your thing, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. It could be. I feel like I suck so hard at mini golf. It would not be pleasurable or fun. But anyway, um, that is amazing. It sounds like a great time off in travels. I love traveling so much. Um, as we wrap up things, do you have a, like a life, life motto or a life mantra that you could leave with us no it changes all the time this year i'm focused on um flexibility okay uh being Is that being more flexible a word for the year yeah, yeah. that's one of them yeah. um <laughs> trying to figure out how to be more flexible uh at work and like we like we grew up in this work is eight to five and we are machines. So we're going to go and sit at a computer for mm -hmm. X uh, hours. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, export this for me. Flexibility is like, how do we get more on creative time, which is creativity isn't linear like that. It just like, it comes, comes and goes right. and like, it's all over the place. So how do we get more flexible? Um, in all areas of our life. Mm -hmm. And, um, the other one that I'm focusing on this year is acknowledgement. And like, I don't know if it's an eight thing or if it's just me personally, but I don't spend a lot of time walking around telling people like, Hey, great job. You're doing amazing. Mm -hmm. So, um, starting to notice out loud words of affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. And just letting people know like, Hey, you're doing a great job. I see you. You're yeah. appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
that's that's a focus for this year um yeah those two those are good ones yeah flexibility and acknowledgement yeah yeah and i like i think that with mottos as people get into it and then they just try to take on too much like they're like oh i'm gonna create my 10 values i'm gonna focus on all 10 of them this year like just pick one or two and like really yeah, yeah really get into that and then next year it could be something else sure yeah yeah we're adaptable creatures yeah and we should always be hopefully having forward growth or else or else then you just got to figure out where you are and work towards hopefully being better or a better version of yourself yeah so where would we find you and or your business on like laughing samurai.com yeah all right yeah. laughing samurai do yeah. you have any social media yeah, it's all Laughing Samurai. All right. Yeah. Across all the platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Because we captured it all whenever. And then back Extreme in Collins the is just, you have to capture him in person. Just yeah, I don't post IRL. To, I don't post to my social. Right. Sometimes I post stories of my cat doing crazy things because he's really old. And oh, Lord. But when you work with social all the time, like the last thing you do when you you want to do when you get off is do more is do more social, social stuff yeah i very much concur with that absolutely but without it i wouldn't be here in my business sense i would be here personally but yeah yeah it, it, it is a tool but it's also work yeah but uh this was not work so thank you so much for your time and just sharing a drink with me and sharing your stories that's yeah, been great yeah yeah so thank you until the next time. Au revoir. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversation? 